You know, next Sunday is December. In case you didn't notice, <laughs> we're at that time of year when we begin to talk about the onset of the holiday season. And the holiday season at the end of the year seems to start earlier and earlier uh, as the years go by. That's something that I've noticed. Halloween almost seems to be the new kickoff date for the Christmas shopping season. October 31st comes and November 1st and all the ads are being fired off before us. It's time to shop and get ready for Christmas time. But now we're approaching Thanksgiving in just four days. And the holidays move along with such a blur that Thanksgiving seems to be more and more overlooked. More and more overlooked. And that's a concern to me. You know, Halloween was just over four and a half weeks ago. You realize it was about a month and a half ago? And it has now become a big business. It's not even a real holiday. It often falls on a weekday, and often, when we think of Halloween, it's often very cold and wet outside. But that doesn't seem to matter. Adults are into Halloween. Adults are into costumes and ghosts and goblins and parties. Consumers also spend big money on Halloween cards, as my wife will attest, for both children and adults. And this year, on average, according to the National Retail Federation, an average consumer spent just over $86 for Halloween. The average consumer. Now, that's in the top 10 of consumer spending over the course of the year. Now, Thanksgiving is, of course, statistically overshadowed by all of the commercialism of Halloween and Black Friday and the, the Christmas shopping season. Christmas is clearly the most popular day, but, holiday, but based upon overall interest and comments on a website called thetop10s.com, Halloween is second after Christmas, and Thanksgiving is a distant third just ahead of Easter. You know, it made me think about what Thanksgiving was meant to be in the first place. What was Thanksgiving meant to be in the first place? Now, first of all, the act of sitting down with a group of people and having a meal was not created back in the days of the early American settlement in Jamestown, Virginia. Now, people did sit down and eat a meal together. And we can go back and look at history and point to how the earliest documented harvest festivals, because that's what Thanksgiving is, it's a harvest festival. They were conducted by Spaniards and the French in the 16th century. So this is nothing that's brand new and nothing that just got kind of started here. This practice was brought to America by the early settlers in Virginia as early as 1607. And English settlers known as the London Company in Charles City County, Virginia, proclaimed, and this is a quote, that the day of our ship's arrival at the place assigned in the land of Virginia shall be a yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. That was back in 1607. 
Now, what we now refer to Thanksgiving about today in America became a common practice of celebration with a harvest feast after a successful growing season. You know, back in the day, we were farmers. We tilled the land. The wealth, frankly, came from what was tilled from the ground. Now, notice that this harvest feast is a very similar situation to the Jewish festival of harvest and the festival of shelters, as noted in Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 through 15. There's a lot of similarity to how Thanksgiving is seen here today and what the Jewish people practiced. Now, that festival is commonly referred to today as the Feast of Weeks. It's had all kinds, kinds of different names in the past. It used to be called the Festival of Harvest, the Festival of Shelters. I mean, those are the names that were associated with this time. But let's look at the context of the Festival of Shelters in Deuteronomy 16. Turn to that. Deuteronomy 16, and let's look at verses 13 through 15. I want to set the stage for what we're going to talk about today as to why this festival occurred after harvest and how God had designed it for this celebration to take place as a recognition of something. Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 through 15. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and I picked this translation because it flows very beautifully. But you can follow along in what version you're reading. Verse 13, you must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters your male and female servants, and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. For seven days you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses, for it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvests and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a great a time of great joy for all. Do you see what's going on here? You're celebrating and honoring the Lord your God. That's what Thanksgiving is about. But we'll look at this a little bit more closely. The festival was also referred to according to Exodus 23:16 as the festival of the final harvest or the festival of ingathering. All kinds of names for it. But the purpose was the same. Today, this celebration is referred to as Sukkot. Now, that's spelled S-U-K-K-O-T. And depending upon where you go, it may be spelled with C's as well, too. But the most common spelling that I've seen is S-U-K-K-O-T, Sukkot, which is a floating week on the Jewish calendar celebrated any time between mid-September, which is on our Gregorian calendar, and mid-October, And it takes place over a seven-day period. Now, we do Thanksgiving for one day. They do Sukkot for seven days. It's a seven-day celebration for them. 
But note the theme of the festival. The celebration is to be done with close family and extended family and may include people from all walks of life and status. So your family, your extended family, and let's say you're inviting people over, they may be, include other people from the neighborhood, people that you don't normally hang out with, and they have all different kinds of social status. And you all get together. It's a time of recognition of God's presence and all of his blessings. Amen? His presence and his blessings. It's a time to give honor and glory to God for all of your success. Success. It is a time of great joy. Now that is the original intent. Let's look at this further. Thanksgiving has evolved over time here in America and gained even more recognition over time just after the Revolutionary War. The Continental Confederation Congress issued a number of national days of prayer and thanksgiving throughout the year. There was thanksgiving in different parts of the year back then, as well as national days of prayer back then which is the precursor to today's version of Thanksgiving and the National Day of Prayer that we talk about every year this, uh, around this time. President George Washington made a proclamation on October 3rd, 1789, which reads in part, Now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of these states, to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that good that was, that is, or will be. He's talking about the Lord. That we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. For the civil and religious liberty with which we are all blessed and in general for all the great and various favors which he hath been pleased to confer upon us. What's he saying in this proclamation? To God be the glory. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, how you've kept us as a country, how you preserved us, and you've been gracious in doing so. That was a proclamation of thanksgiving. October 3rd, 1789. Now, the purpose of Thanksgiving, I think you know where I'm going with this. Amen? The purpose of Thanksgiving is not just to be thankful to have a day of rest, eat a big delicious meal, and then collapse on the floor with a tryptophan buzz. Amen? Some of y'all didn't laugh at that. That was funny. But maybe we take this a little too seriously. It's not just about having a meal. It's much more than that. Let me ask you a question. What would happen if you went over to someone's house for a Thanksgiving dinner and they served you buttered toast, sliced buttered toast, pretzels, 
popcorn and jelly beans. And that was your meal. Would you be thankful for that? You say that. Every now and then, I go into this Charlie Brown mode. And my imagination starts to kick up. And that could be very dangerous for some of you right now. But that meal was served at Charlie Brown's house when Peppermint Patty invited herself over. Didn't have time to cook a turkey. You do the best you can. But the whole purpose, you saw in the lesson of that, was not the food you're being served. Where's the turkey? Where's the dressing? Where's the cranberry sauce? It's about being thankful for what God has done and what God is doing. So, yeah, we're here to eat a meal. Amen? Let's admit it. There's a meal that's going to be served after the service today. And for some of us, there's a meal waiting for us on Thanksgiving Day. But it's about the perspective that I want you to see here. Thanksgiving, by its design, hear what I'm saying? By its design is to give God the glory for everything that we are and for everything that we have. By its design, that's Thanksgiving. Amen? Whether we have a little or a lot, we have a great wealth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Wealth beyond measure. Now, too often we get caught up in how much we've got. I'm broke. I ain't got no money. Don't know where the next money's coming from. God wants you to see this not from a temporary situation, but from an eternal perspective. You in your brokenness, is that a word? You in your brokenness have a lot more than what you realize. Amen? And I've been broke before, and I know it ain't no fun. There's nothing fun about it. But some things in life are not about having fun. Some things in life are dealing with reality and knowing that you can only go nowhere but what? Up. And that's fine. But you have a lot more than what you realize sometimes. Let's take a look at that. Thanksgiving is a festival gathering to offer a time of reverence and recognition of his blessings upon us. Even in your brokenness, you've been blessed. You've been blessed. Is the glass half empty or half full? But you can take any situation and look at it and say, oh man, it's terrible. Or you can say, well, I'm still alive. I've still got my health. Thanksgiving is a time of celebration. But we recognize that we have what we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now let's look at the purpose of the festival gathering as we saw in Sukkot and with the early purpose of Thanksgiving in America. It's a time of celebration. Now, we won't hesitate to celebrate when there's good news. Amen? Amen? When there's good news, we don't hesitate to celebrate. The Cavs won the championship. Yay! That's good news. Because we ain't won nothing other than that. Those were at the time of celebration. And we won't hesitate to celebrate. We think it's important to celebrate those things. Well, we're reminded that we are to reflect upon not how much we have, but instead be grateful that we have anything at all. You get it? Not on how much you have, but you have something. That's something to be thankful for. And that something doesn't necessarily mean tangibles, like money, like your health. How bad would it be if you're always sick and you got a billion dollars? It's terrible. Because you can't enjoy that billion dollars because you're always sick. You see where the perspective is here? It's not about money. And even further than that, that we have Jesus even if we have nothing at all. More than enough. Amen. Now, some of us had to learn that. Some of us had to actually learn that way of thinking. Sometimes when we're backed in a corner and we got nowhere else to go, we learn it. Makes you think. Go to Habakkuk chapter 3. Went through this verse in Sunday school a few couple months back. Haven't forgotten it. Because I think this shows you an extreme example of how even in the midst of looking at the land around him, Habakkuk had the right perspective. There was devastation all around him. No crops, no food, nothing. But I want you to look at what this passage says. Starting in verse 16, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. And note too, his emotional state. Verse 16, I heard and I trembled within, my lips quivered at the sound, rottenness entered my bones, I trembled where I stood, now I must, wait, must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, 
Look at verse 18. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Now Habakkuk is not having a great time here. Amen? There's an invasion pending. There's no food. There's nothing to rely upon. He's waiting for a disaster, yet his perspective is in giving celebration. It says, I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Because even though you have nothing or next to nothing, you've got it all in Jesus Christ. You've got it all. You have everything. This is why you pray for your family who doesn't know the Lord. Family members who don't know the Lord. Friends who don't know the Lord. People in your family who do not know Jesus Christ. Because it's all about salvation. It's all about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though you don't have anything, you have everything in Jesus. Can you still celebrate in the Lord when you have little or nothing to show for it? Little or nothing to show for it. Please remember those who are less fortunate than you at this time of year. And even take note of them all year long. All of us come in contact with people who you can perceive are less fortunate than you. You know how much you've been blessed, amen? You can make a comparison by looking at somebody and saying, well, maybe they need something more. So this time of year in being thankful is also a time to call to attention how much you have and pay attention to other folks around you who have not. Pay attention. Keep your eyes open. Look at what's going on around you. Pay attention. We can be very self-focused. Amen? Amen. We can be very self-focused. Amen? Amen. We can be very self-focused. Amen? Thanksgiving is more than just a nice meal. You have more than a lot of people. You have a reason to celebrate. Don't forget celebrating your life and your health. That's always a starting point for everybody. You've got your life and your health. And as long as you have your life, you can be used by God. What greater honor is there than that? To be used by God. Even in your poor health, you can be used by God. 
It's all about perspective, isn't it? Can you praise God in the same way as the psalmist at Psalm 150? Turn to Psalm 150. Let's take a look at Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is the last psalm. But let's take a look at what it says. Can you praise God in the same way as the psalmist? And I'll read the passage to you. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Verse 2. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with strings and flutes. Praise Him with a clash of cymbals. Praise Him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes Sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you praise Him like that? Now, we all have the ability to praise Him like that. The question is, can you still do it? What limits you from doing it to its greatest ability is sometimes your life circumstances where you're thinking about everything else and God's in the background somewhere. Well, that's our challenge, isn't it? The true test of faith and trust in Jesus Christ is to give him praise in good times and bad. Good times and bad. Because everything is not a bed of roses. What's that saying by Irma Bombeck? Life is supposed to be a bowl of cherries, but I'm living in the pits. Something like that. Paraphrase. Well, sometimes life is like that. And this is all, we're all friends here. We're being honest, right? Sometimes people dread holidays because of what it brings up in their life. They dread Thanksgiving. They dread Christmas time because of life circumstances. But they just need your prayers and we need to make sure that you are praying for them to... Look to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and trust no matter what's going on. Thanksgiving is a true test of faith in Jesus Christ whether the harvest is plentiful or the harvest is few. Whether the harvest is plentiful or the harvest is few. One of Cool and the Gang's most popular songs talked about a celebration. Celebrate good times. Come on. Let's celebrate. Uh, We've heard that song. 
Amen? Unless you've been in a cave somewhere, you've heard that song at some point. Well, it's a very jovial tune. It makes you think. It makes you get up. It's talked about celebrating. What are we celebrating? Having a good time. Well, that's what Thanksgiving is. It's a celebration. It's supposed to be a celebration. It's not supposed to be a somber occurrence. If you're talking about having a festival, what is a festival? You're celebrating. You're having a good time. That's why we need to get back to what Thanksgiving really means. You're having a good time, not for the sake of just having a good time, but you're celebrating what? The Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the celebration is. What are we to celebrate? Well, plain and simple, God's Lordship. That's what we're celebrating. Go to 1 Samuel 12, please. 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're celebrating His Lordship. He is Lord over everything. He is Lord of your life. Well, you have to make Him the Lord of your life. But He is the Lord of your life. 1 Samuel 12, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 24. Now, for those of us or people we know who have a hard time during the holidays, this is a good verse. This is something that applies. We need to understand what the Lord does and what he has done and what he will continue to do for us. It says in verse 22, The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he is determined to make you his own people. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Verse 24, above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. Do you understand that he is an active Lord in your life? Not a passive Lord. He's an active Lord in your life. He's doing great things for you. Do you always see them? He's doing great things for you. He's going to continue to do great things for you. It's his promise. He is faithful. He is faithful to us. Our faith sometimes is terrible. But he's faithful anyway. Amen? Another verse, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now Solomon in his wisdom went back and forth, back and forth, talking about all these things are vain, all these things are happening. But when it got right down to it at the end of Ecclesiastes, he pens this. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And also verse 14 too. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God and keep his commands because this is for all humanity. Amen. Fear God 
and keep his commands. Fear God, meaning have reverence. Have reverence for who he is in your life. This is what Thanksgiving is about. His lordship. Verse 14, for God will bring every act of judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. He is Lord over all. Lord over everything. Now understand something. You can make a choice where God is not Lord of your life. Amen? You can choose that. That is perfectly reasonable on your part. If you think you want to do that, that is your right to do that. Because you have free will. But who do you think is losing out? You can choose not to follow him. So who's losing out? Is God losing out? No. His lordship. Thanksgiving. Let's get right down to it. It is a true holiday. It is a holiday set aside, as in holy day. It's a holy day. It's a holy day of celebration. If you give the day its proper due, give it its proper due. It rivals Christmas in its level of importance as we give specific recognition to who? Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is just sets the table for the Christmas holiday season. Do you see that? You're giving reverence to who Jesus Christ is on Thanksgiving Day in your festival celebration with food and turkey and dressing and cranberry sauce, all the fixings. But who provided every single thing that you are eating? God himself. Now, for many, Thanksgiving is just a fancy meal. And for some of us guys, a slew of football games. Y'all know football is all over Thanksgiving Day. Can't escape it. Football. Which means you get out of Thanksgiving what you put into it. You get out of it what you put into it. Just like anything else. You get out of church time what you put into it. You get out of prayer time what you put into it. You get out of time with Jesus based upon how you put yourself into it. If it's not important to you, you ain't going to do it. I'm going to challenge you. It's important. And if you don't try it, what was that old saying? Try it, you'll like it. Try it, you'll like it. Well, the Lord says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. I hope you can see that Thanksgiving is not just a day of gathering for a meal, but also a day of charity as well. A day of charity. Remember that the festival of Sukkot pulled together widows and orphans as well as servants and foreigners. Remember, the whole household was there, including servants. Foreigners from another land, people coming in, people who were in your midst that were not from that country were part of that festival. A time of celebration. Who are these people in our society today? 
the widows, the orphans, the servants, the foreigners. Who are these people? You can just about put names with that group. They are largely individuals who are often less fortunate than we are. That's where we come in. That's where we come in. What is it to live as a servant of Jesus Christ? What is it to live as a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ? It is to live a humble life before others. Looking outside of yourself and having the mind of Christ in service to others for Him. Those widows, those orphans, those servants, those foreigners need to see you as a servant of Jesus Christ. That's what they need to see. If you think about it, Thanksgiving is the perfect way to show the love of Jesus Christ before others when we give our time and serve meals to those who are used to merely fending for themselves. You see where I'm getting? Someone is serving them instead of them serving someone else. Or finding their own meal. You know, a lot of restaurants are open on Thanksgiving Day. You know why? People are alone. The steak and shake in our area was open all day Thanksgiving Day. So if someone can go in and get a hamburger and french fries, A lot of people are alone on Thanksgiving. But you see now, Thanksgiving needs to have a place at the forefront of our hearts. Our hearts and minds when it comes to the celebration of God in Jesus Christ. For all that he has done for us. We see that Thanksgiving is more than just a big meal. It is a festival. It's a time of reverence and honor for our Lord. It's a time to say thank you for all of his provision. There's a hymn that reminds me of this, and hopefully you'll be thinking this. I'm going to put it in your ear as an earworm all day long. You ready? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he has given Jesus Christ his son. Give thanks. So as Linus would say, only in a different show, that's what Thanksgiving is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what it's all about. Give thanks. Remember, he is worthy of your praise. Amen? Father, we just thank you. We thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for this understanding that you've given us. Understanding how Thanksgiving has been overshadowed so much, and yet it deserves its place and prominence in our minds and hearts. Lord, we want to celebrate you. 
We just want to say thank you for who you are. We thank you for your very presence today. We thank you for your provision. And Lord, we may have a little or a lot, but we are thankful that we have what we have. And we thank you for how you care for us. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. Lord, we pray for a mindset to remember Thanksgiving not just one day, but celebrate you all year long. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing I do want to make sure that I'm very clear to do is also offer you an opportunity to understand that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are missing out. You're missing out. The Lord has been gracious. You know, the Lord has kept all of us even before we became believers, amen? You know who you were before, and you know who you are today in the Lord. But if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcome to make an acknowledgement of who he is today. And what a great day to do so, a day of thanksgiving. By recognizing that he is the Lord and Savior of your life. He has done so much for you, And he'll continue to do for you. But he'll do so much more for you if you have a personal relationship with him. Where you'll truly see him working in your life in ways you had never imagined. It's not about what he gives you. But it's about what you give him and how he gives it in return. Whether it's a little or a lot. You have a lot in Jesus Christ. Because he's, a turn to, he's concerned about your eternity. He's concerned about where you're going to be when you leave here. Because one day we all leave here, amen? One day we're leaving here. Where will you be? So I ask right now, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to pull aside an elder, pull aside Pastor Gus, we can pray for you at that point. Father, we pray for those individuals who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, whether they're here in this room or whether they're family and friends or people who had not maybe were invited to come here today and did not make it. We lift those people up to you right now. We pray, Lord, that you will touch their lives, touch their hearts. Give them the desire to seek after you. We pray, Lord, that you'll bless this church, bless those who are present, and we thank you, Lord, that We sometimes have to recognize for prayer, we pray over and over again. We know that your desire is for every man, woman, and child to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we will not stop praying for those very things. Thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.